I'm freezing. It's just cold. <gasps> oh my god, this goes straight to the top. And now we need to do like some kind of chit chat before the episode, but we've already said all the things there are to say. I know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I feel like we run out and we, we chat beforehand and that's good to get us limber, but then also we run out of things to say because nothing happens in quarantine, so you don't have any news. <laughs> so all we do is default to just talking about our secret hatreds that we're not going to say in, in the public <laughs> view. And it's just like, that thing, pff, fuck that thing. Oh, now we have to Belgians. talk about good shit. <laughs> the fucking belgians <laughs> do we always re like do we use the belgians as our problematic thing of things that we hate yes i think um, was there like hungarians or something because i want to pick a group that's generally you know like the rule of comedy where it's like if you punch up that's funny but if you punch down that's bullying so i kind of want it to be bullying by the stupid belgians because they're garbage <laughs> and they're stupid and i hate them I was going to say, if you're English or British, how do you punch up? You've already punched down the entire rest of the world, except for maybe Americans. No, we can't. And we also, like, America is basically our grandson. Our stupid, spoiled, <laughs> idiotic grandson. And it's like, you look over and you're like, what are you doing? But I have no power over you anymore. But you're a fucking idiot. And also, I have no right to call you a fucking idiot because I'm a fucking because idiot. Because I... You're my progeny in some way, and I'm partly responsible. I mean, I recently saw, and I'll keep the shot because we don't talk about current events, Boris Johnson is trying to implement a law that will stop, that will give protesters up to 10 years in prison for being annoying. What? I'm like, do you know what a protest is, Bojo? Or are you just always on the wrong side of it? The side that is annoyed? Because that's kind of the point, Boris yes, that's Johnson. The, that's the goal of protesting. Also, I love that because that is the literal... I mean, Bojo, come on. Well, now thanks to Bojo, we're just going to have to have Black Lives Matter bake sales. I don't know. Unannoying ones where it's like protests are just sitting quietly out of the way. <laughs> where you can be ignored more easily. <laughs> mm, plebeians exist. That annoys me. The proletariat are doing things. The proletariat are revolting. Oh my god, have they set up a guillotine? No, they're revolting. <laughs> the chickens are revolting! Hmm, finally something we can agree on. <laughs> oh god, what is that from Chicken yes. Run? The best movie of all time. I haven't watched that in over a decade. Then please do so for your for yourself. It's been a tough year. You need to see Chicken Run. I love that the two movies that you're insisting I watch are Chicken Run yes. and the favorite. I will maybe watch everything except the final five minutes of the favorite. Yeah, and I just love you've got this like traumatized view that Emma Stone picks up a rabbit, bites off its head <laughs> when it's really just. Two seconds where she puts her shoe on top of a bunny, the bunny goes, and then she lifts it up and it hops away. <laughs> and, and you're like, oh, and then f like, faint onto your chaise lawn. It's just that I'm not quite sure that I believe you because everybody else tells me that the bunny gets squished and dies. It's just so funny. 
And it's by everybody else, you mean one person who is fucking with you because it does not. I almost want to find that clip on YouTube and show it to you and just be like, look, that's what happens. The bun is fine. (laughs) I just think just your trauma is just so boring to me. Just stop it. Just stop having trauma. This is everything is awful forever. Just stop your trauma. Jesus. Have you tried eating healthily and meditating? Have you just tried not having the trauma anymore? Have you tried considering that it's not very scary or bad? Have you just have you just got over it? Just get over it, man. I'm Jessica Byrne. Get over it. I'm Philippa Evans, and I don't have anything funny to say. I'm just traumatized. <laughs> Now you're the talk person, and I'm the listen person. I know that listening is hard for you, but... It is very hard for me, because I'm not... We'll give it our best shot. I'm not the one talking, and that's that seems wrong to me. People should be listening to me, though. I think that we're quite different, you and I, in how we write out episodes. Yeah. You tell interesting stories about bastard men, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. whereas I seem to pick a body part or its associated disease. <laughs> At the end of the day, we're both talking about pricks, so the divide between us may not be that oh, great. Oh, I like that you wrote that down and were giggling to yourself a lot, probably. Oh my god, when people ask me about my process for episodes, I'm like, yeah, I just, like, like I make shit up, I just vomit facts onto the page, but then at three in the morning, a pun comes to me, and I lie there in the dark going... <laughs> <laughs> And then I specially write it down and I put it in a special color in my Word document. (laughs) Just so that I can't, like, miss out on the opportunity. I I was going to ask, do you start pun first and then work out from there? Pretty much. I just, I choose some words and I'm like, okay, these are good. How can I build a historical episode around this? So lately I've made a departure from Victorian melodies and started reading up on medieval medicine instead. Mm, Very good. And the bodies of medieval women in particular. I'm going to (laughs) say I've been very fascinated not only by the medieval period, but by how people imagine the medieval period. Yeah. In medieval bodies, it was, I think, one of the main books that I used for this. The author, Jack Hartnell, talks about how a museum kind of did a survey where it got people to imagine the Renaissance and the medieval period. Mm -hmm. And people imagining the Renaissance were like, I'm an artist's muse on a gondola. (laughs) The sun is bright and I'm eating a pear. Whereas people imagining the medieval period were like, I'm in a potato sack. (laughs) And I also have the plague. (laughs) There are no potatoes in the medieval period, but that's that's what I'm eating. (laughs) And it's just so grim. They're like, it's raining outside. Yeah, Yeah, that's kind of true. Whenever I picture the medieval period, I'm like, I'm covered in dirt. There's a plague doctor in the background just lurking over me. And like, are you ready to go onto the cart full of dead people? And I'm like, no, I'm just ugly. And and that's what I picture. I can also say that this episode was partially inspired by one of our patrons, Erica from the podcast Les Represent, who shared some excellent resources on vulva badges which with me, which took me down a very enjoyable rabbit hole, and by rabbit hole I mean vagina looking at you, Mary Toft. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about vulva badges for this episode, but it definitely, it gave me the push that I needed. <laughs> push, push 
filibur. So it's often the case in medicine and elsewhere that the male body is taken to be the default, the standard model, whereas the rest of us are all unfortunate aberrations. Yeah, like I heard about something where a lot of women die of heart attacks because the heart attack symptoms, you know, the tingling arm and the hurting chest, Mm. are the male symptoms. And female symptoms are really different. And so women have heart attacks a lot, but they're like, but my arm didn't tingle. But that's because we assume that the male one is the same for everyone. I'm not a doctor and I don't remember this, but I swear I remember one of the symptoms being for women being like a sore jaw, which is interesting, but don't believe me, just... Google yeah. it. You'll you'll probably find out all the things that are wrong with you if you just Google <laughs> it. I think all sorts of things like seat belts, vehicles, like they do tend to be built not only with a man in mind, but with a very specific default man in mind. And, you know, none of us are that perfect default. But if you're interested in that kind of thing, 99% Invisible does a good episode on... How many podcasts are you peppering into this? Don't listen to us. <laughs> there are way more famous people you you could be listening to right now. That reminds me of the episode of Bombarded I've been listening to. <laughs> By the Macklemores. <laughs> By the Macklemores as well. They're the Macleroys, you fool, you heathen. <laughs> Macleroys, Macklemores, the thrift shop guy. <laughs> also, though, bringing it back to relevancy, Alex, um, I asked him to bring something down. I've got these fairy lights and the button was too tall for me. So I asked him to bring them down and he did. But he brought it down to a six foot tall man level. And I was like, hmm, could you uh, th- bring, bring it down just uh, like a foot fucking more? <laughs> to be fair, you are a very, very short woman. I like to think of it as travel sized for convenience. <laughs> so back to relevance, bodies that were not the bodies of healthy Christian men weren't just not the default, they were the bodies of monsters. Mm -hmm. If you were non-Christian, disabled, the wrong race, or a woman, (gasps) then you were lumped in with demons and good luck to you. (laughs) When I say monster, I mean a couple of things. In some ways, I guess I mean the popular understanding of monster, in that, like, people believed all sorts of weird shit. One common belief was that having sex with a woman on her period would give you dick cancer. <laughs> and that sounds like something that you might see on Shudder or Hulu. I don't know what people watch. The sky darkens. Wolves pants as they rush through the forest, scenting innocent man prey. Dogs hide under tables and somewhere out there. A woman screams. <laughs> Their periods attract bears. <laughs> That's a relevant movie. <laughs> but I'm also talking about monsters as a theoretical category. And to put it really briefly, a monstrous body is a body that transgresses boundaries. Mm. It's unstable. It's porous and leaks. It's neither one thing nor the other. Mm. Like Frankenstein's monster, both one person and many, or a zombie, neither living nor dead. They're crossing boundaries. Mm. And when it comes to women, the menstruating women, the pregnant women, the old woman. (laughs) (laughs) All I imagine is that meme of the Babadook with the mother screaming, why can't you just be normal? That's my favorite meme because it can be applied to so many things. (laughs) So clerics weep into their hands, why can't women just be normal? 
But before I get to the female body, how does one get bodies at all? I mean, I, I assume your mother had the talk with you? No. No. I don't. <laughs> Was she just like, it's better if you don't breed? It just... This shouldn't be, you know, what's the word? Propagated? So, yeah. <laughs> no. In all seriousness, yeah, my mum did, but I think at a really young age, because she was of the mind that sex isn't for disgusting monsters, and if children are curious about it, then they should know, because it shouldn't be this shameful hidden thing that's a huge deal that we're like, it is time to have the talk. Sit down! <laughs> as someone sort of like orates at you from the Bible. <laughs> Where was I? I've always thought that the idea of stalks bringing babies was rather terrifying. Yeah. But it's nothing. Nothing to the true horror of birth, according to medieval thinkers. <laughs> yes. So, to make a baby, I guess you need to start with baby stuff. The raw matter, so to speak. Okay. Think of a baby like a boiled egg. I do. Incidentally, I'm not a mother and I know nothing about children, so a boiled egg. <laughs> An egg has two parts, the yolk and the white. Similarly, a human baby is made up of two parts, the stuff from the father and the stuff from the mother. Okay. With you, yes. So the father contributed the sperm. Now, the ancient Greeks and Romans believed that the sperm came down from the brain, through the spinal cord, and out through one's giggle stick. Right. Yeah, checks out. But we're in the medieval period now. We're not stupid. Mm -hmm. We know that sperm isn't made in the brain. It's made in the testicles, duh, out of blood. Idiots. That's been specifically cooked in the body. Well, that makes sense. Sometimes, you know, when you cook something, it starts off, like, pink, and then you cook it in. <laughs> And it goes white. Okay, yeah, like Gino chicken. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I've got to say that the brain stuff makes more sense to me. Like, I can fully understand how someone would look at some spunk and be like, yeah, that was like brain stuff. <laughs> <laughs> men have told me, maybe I won't include this in the episode because I don't want to tell men how to feel when they come. But... <laughs> you don't want a woman's brain coming to oh, a man. I was two men. <laughs> When a right hand loves a penis very much. <laughs> so I like to laugh at how silly this all sounds, but if you consider that dissection was taboo back then, the body was such a mysterious thing to people. So we've got our sperm. Women had their own sperm too, just swishing about the womb, squirted down from the ovaries. <laughs> and I'll get to menstruation in a bit, but menstrual blood was often confused for female ejaculates. Oh, oh honey. And both were often referred to as menstruum. I didn't write this down, but one person comes to a priest and he was like, I was boinking my girlfriend. And when she got off, she was cowboy. It was totally great. <laughs> when she got off, I was covered in blood. And the priest is like, nah, don't worry, bro. She was just like really excited. It's not like he could have asked her how she felt or anything. It's like, was that, was that amazing? And she's like, yeah. no. <laughs> I love that he did not. Like, if you finish and you're covered in blood, do you not look at your partner and go, are you really happy or are you actually dying right yeah, now? I know, I know. Like, the whole idea is that women were just these objects that didn't have any feelings whatsoever. <laughs> and so he's fucked her. There's blood everywhere. And he's gone, great Scott, and just leapt out the window to the priest <laughs> straight away. And she's there like, it's fine. It okay, okay. So here's where my egg metaphor comes in. Because... 
As the two spermy masses come together, the heat and compression of the womb would start to cook it into an embryo. Children are coagulated, is what I'm saying. Just like eggs. Just like eggs. Trust me, I'm not a doctor. So some of the leftover female ejaculate would form the placenta to support the child and draw vital spirits to it Mm -hmm. from the mother. And the first thing that the little egg baby would do is grow a liver to regulate its own blood flow, flow even. And then it was imbued with a soul. Ah, livers have souls. Interesting. I don't even know what to imagine. Just like this... Baby shell with a liver and a soul. I, I am just imagining a floating liver, yes, but it's haunted. <laughs> <laughs> of course, when one is given a soul depends on your gender. Medieval churchmen stressed that the male soul was imbued after 40 days, whereas women did not qualify for Amazon Prime and so had to wait a full 80 days before they got theirs. Ah, I see. Hmm. Now, I've used an egg metaphor, but medieval thinkers were not without their own analogies. Ibn Sina, in his Canon of Medicine, compared the formation of the child in the womb to the making of cheese. (laughs) Yes, perfectly. Makes sense. We're we're a very dairy-heavy episode this time. (laughs) The male sperm was the clotting agent to the milk of the female sperm, and I'm never having children. That's just a sexy sentence with the words clotting and milk. (laughs) I just love to imagine my pregnant belly swelling, and I'm like, is that like brie? <laughs> feels like a Lancaster. Feels like a Lancaster to me, like a, like a red Leicester, perhaps. The real problem for women, though, was not the danger of fermented dairy products in their wombs, but the cooking process itself. Women's bodies were believed to be fundamentally inferior to male bodies for several reasons. Oh yeah, of course, of course. I touched on this in my episode on hysteria, but men were thought to be fully cooked in the womb, a perfect hard-boiled egg, whereas women were at best soft-boiled with the whites still a little bit runny. This is how I'm going to explain this all to my children if I ever have them, which I won't. This goes back to the theory of the four humors, which also it's come up in our episodes a few times, so I'll be brief. Basically, the body is composed of four elements, fire, water, air, and earth, which in the body take the form of the four humors, blood, phlegm, yellow bile, and black bile. And in addition to these four humors, you also have moisture and heat. So wet or dry, hot or cold. The body is a fragile equilibrium of these humors. And if the balance is upset, you could become sick or die, or it's all very dire. Heat was particularly important to good health. It's this necessary vitality and warmth. Like it literally puts hairs on your chest (laughs) by evaporating the excess humors in your body. (laughs) Apparently hairs were like these little humor worms that came oh, out of your pores. God, come on. It's not surprising that men were thought by nature to be hotter than women. <laughs> they were larger in size, they had hairier bodies, they easily got rid of excess humors through regularly sweating and ejaculating. <laughs> where I love the idea of him just like tugging the slug, being like, this is what makes me better than you. He's fucking dripping and leaking from every part of his body, just this <laughs> swamp beast also that this is like humans are apparently like crocodiles where if you if there are a certain temperature they'll come out male or female whereas women were weak and small and hairless and cold especially in bed am i right fellas oh also women are always cold talk to a woman ask her how she is and she'll reply that she's too cold we just say that so that we can wear blanket sized scarves and massive Mm. cardigans Mm. i'm in two dressing gowns right now 
I'm in the most shapeless but most comfortable clothes in existence. I'm basically just a sphere of comfiness. So a woman's natural coldness meant she didn't cook properly in the womb. Because women didn't sweat as much and they lacked a dingwallis by which to get rid of excess fluid, <laughs> women had to get rid of their excess humor through menstruation. Not that they had much humor to begin with. <laughs> Ew, women aren't funny. <laughs> Sorry, I think I was like channeling my inner Steve as I wrote this. <laughs> so I think it's common knowledge that every woman's menstrual cycle is unique to her. Some of us experience intense pain, some don't. Some women's cycles last seven days, for other women it's three. Some of us have a light flow, some of us literally turn into bats and flock about the moon until our dark mother sees fit to release us from our curse. This was evident to medieval doctors as well, and the texture, color, and frequency of your menstrual blood said a lot about you as a person. Oh dear. This wasn't unique to menstrual blood, by the way. Like, your humoral balance determined a lot. Like, your hair color. Huh. I mentioned it was kind of evaporated human humor strings. Mm -hmm. So that's why gingers were considered to be so bad-tempered. Like, physical and spiritual health were constantly intertwined in a way that we struggle to make sense of. The size of your nose, the shape of your chin, the color of your piss. The thinness of your wrists. <laughs> the dimensions of your skull. The space between your nose and your upper lip. Chad. <laughs> Chad. I... This is a small tangent, but I watched the contrapoints on incels. God, I fucking love her. <laughs> Me too. She's amazing. She's, she's just so elegant. I could turn it off and just watch her sort of gesticulate and just like, oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> this is our, our ongoing trend of recommending other media that is not us. <laughs> Have you heard of ContraPoints, the biggest bread tuber to ever bread? And then there's us, like tiny little scones. Tiny, tiny little, tiny little muffins, like little princess <laughs> cakes. But it wasn't just medieval men saying all of this about women's periods. Hildegard of Bingen, a German Benedictine abbess, not to be confused with Hildegard of Blingen, a modern day singer whose music simply <laughs> slaps, as the youth say. Hildegard of Bingen identifies four different categories. Of Are you okay? I hate that. I hate it. Sorry. That fucking tickled me. Carry on. Hildegard of Bingen identifies four different categories of women defined by their menstrual flow. So if you're larger in form with a heavy reddish flow, then you're probably prudent and chaste, right? I see. Whereas if your blood is bluer, then you like to ride the cock carousel. Uh, pardon? Bluer? I don't know. I assume there must be a range. Yeah, but blue is one that I would find alarming. M maybe purpler? People, the medieval period was very confused about colours, like they didn't know that, um, what orange was, and so that's why all the orange animals are called red. So maybe blue had a different meaning. <laughs> maybe they <laughs> meant purple or mauve. At us on Twitter, does anybody bleed blue? <laughs> Other types of menstrual flow might determine your intelligence or how good you are at massaging your husband's tired feet after a long day. It's said a lot. <laughs> so it was important for a man to know before he committed himself to a woman. Of course. But speaking of a long, tiring day, why don't we get on over to the workhouse and have those orphans massage our tired feet? Because I've been standing a lot. Okay, let's go. 
we do all the work and they just laze around getting maimed in machinery or ingesting poisonous substances or whatever it else it is that people do in the workhouse. Listen, they sit down for 16 hours a day at a sewing machine, sitting. Comfy. So I don't know what they're fucking complaining about. I like that we know nothing about what happens in a workhouse because we haven't done an episode on it yet. <laughs> because we're so wealthy and important, we don't know what the proletariat do. Annoy us in protests, apparently. Oh, God, so irritating, though. But while we're getting our feet rubbed, we can still get some work done. And by work, I mean spill the tea. And by spill the tea, I mean make me some tea urchins. I spilled this. <laughs> Give me that hot goss, Philippa. I need some hot goss. Have you ever heard of Chris Eversall? Tell me more. Well, Chris was one of the first women to work as a member of the Baltimore Police Force, and as a detective, no less. Oh. She was famous for solving a number of extremely mysterious cases, really weird stuff. Two women murdered by an orangutan? <laughs> Something about stolen correspondence used to blackmail the Queen of France? Oh. All very exciting stuff. What was even more interesting was that she would pass little snippets from her cases to an author friend of hers, who would then work them into his own fictional stories, becoming quite famous in his own right. Their collaboration was never discovered because they didn't ever meet in person. Instead, they'd pass messages by means of a trained corvid. As the writer nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, <laughs> as of someone gently rapping, rapping at his chamber door. Tis some visitor, he muttered, tapping at his chamber door, only this and nothing more. It was inevitably the raven with a little message for Pope. Also, I love that he's like, ah, oh, tis some visitor, nothing more. <laughs> oh no, wait, shit, that's my trained fucking raven, I better go get that. <laughs> Good thing I trained it to rap at my door. <laughs> While he's there in a, in a couch, like, oh, Lenore, <laughs> Oh, shit. No, I should go get that. And so it went, until one day, the messages stopped coming. <gasps> Chris oh, no. Eversoul had seemingly disappeared. Did she and her raven fall afoul of some <gasps> evil conspiracy? <laughs> no one knows. Not even Poe. The last word on the matter was the raven who, on the night of Chris's disappearance, pitched up on a midnight dreary, and when Poe asked, where's Eversol, the raven quoth, never saw, and flew away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's my thing. I think Chris was the raven and just transformed <laughs> into a raven. She was an animagus and could just turn into a raven. So, Chris, wherever you are and in whatever bird form, Thank you for your patronage. It's very much appreciated. And thank you to all of our other lovely patrons, old and new. We couldn't do it without you. Like, legit. That's not even one of those, like, tired sayings. It's like, no, I mean, if you weren't there, we would have stopped this podcast. So you're <laughs> literally keeping us going. <laughs> To sign up to our Patreon for some nasty rumors and extra mini soaps, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash awful forever podcast. Or if you want to warn your friends about us or chat to us on Twitter, you can find us at awful forever pod. I've had my tea. I've spilled it on another orphan. Have you ever drunk tea this entire time? Because I think you just constantly just like throw it in orphans' faces and then yell at them to get some more. <laughs> yes, because I wanted hotter. Hotter. <laughs> <laughs> So now that we're refreshed, let's head back out into the world of Monstrous Women. 
Of course, menstruation absolutely marked women as monstrous. Whereas men are very good at controlling their bodies and keeping their blood on the inside where it belongs, <laughs> women just, they seem to struggle with that most simple of tasks. And it's the only thing you really need to do as a human, just keep your blood on the inside, you idiots. I'm constantly clenching, just trying to keep it together. Did you know that you can hold it in because I'm a man and I hold in my liquids, so just do that. <laughs> so that slow seepage of sluggish, humoral waste from the body was horrifying enough and a sign of women's weakness that they had no control over it whatsoever. Like you say, that one Twitter idiot who was like, women are stupid because they can't hold on to their flow long enough to get to a bathroom. Why do my taxes need to pay for your incontinence diapers? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Women yeah. were demonized for their periods, literally. There was this idea of cursed blood leaking oh. from monstrous female bodies. Female Fee bodies. <laughs> holes. It was commonly believed that menstrual blood could turn bronze objects black, blight <laughs> crops, and madden animals. Oh! It was also thought that secret invisible menstrual blood affected women's eyes, giving them an evil eye that could curse an innocent man. Oh. Or that it dripped from the eyes of postmenopausal women onto <gasps> babies, oh, killing no. them. No! <laughs> I mean... Dogs do come and sniff you, and they're like, okay. And then that's about it, though. <laughs> <laughs> Babies scream. <laughs> One text from the 13th century, De Secretis Mulierum, which means On the Secrets of Women, mentions, Take the hairs of a menstruating woman and place them in the fertile earth under manure during the winter. Then in spring or summer, when they are heated by the sun, a long, stout serpent will be generated. Oh. So women, you can all have your own pet snake. Yay! It also states that women are so full of venom in the time of their menstruation that they poison animals by their glance. They infect children in the cradle. They spot the cleanest mirror. And whenever <laughs> men have sexual intercourse with them, they are made leprous and sometimes cancerous. Oh my god. <laughs> Is this one time maybe a woman who was cramping really hard and was in pain yelled at him a bit and then he was like, demon! <laughs> and then that's... That's what happened. The worst thing is that this book was a misogynist textbook designed to teach the clergy about female reproduction. Mm -hmm. And later, when the Malleus Maleficarum was written to teach men how to identify and burn witches, a lot of the quote-unquote medical facts about women and their poisonous, poisonous vaginas were taken from this book. I love it. Just a bunch of these fucking... Men being like, women are mean to me, they're evil, they could curse babies. <laughs> they gave my dick cancer. <laughs> of course, the fact that women are monsters oozing Satan juice once a month does not mean that you want to have sex with them any less. Yeah, of course. I was going to say, like, I, um, imagine they had to put in the um, dick cancer warning is because people just kept doing it and then... <laughs> 
you know, maybe they were trying to ward people away from fucking a woman while she was bleeding and probably uncomfortable. I swear to God, if you told some men that there was a 50% chance of their dick falling off during sex, they would still give it a shot. They'd be like, I like them odds. I think a 90% chance <laughs> in some blokes would still go in there and be like, well, it'll be worth it though, I guess. But what if you and your lady want to avoid childbirth after a boink? Despair not, there are means. The trotula, a medical text on women, suggests... Trotula? I'm going to call my new <laughs> rabbit that. Oh, little trotula. If a, woman, if a woman does not wish to conceive, let her carry against her nude flesh the womb of a goat which has never had offspring. Otherwise, take a male weasel and let its testicles be removed and let it be released alive. Let the woman carry these testicles with her in her bosom and let her tie them in goose skin or in another skin and she will not conceive uh yeah that makes sense all of that makes sense that's that all when you said all of those words in connection with each other each one was like yeah that makes sense that's good and makes sense i'm just absolutely gutted that i have to wear my weasel testicles in my bosom like those would make fucking killer earrings also i i don't really have a bosom to speak of i can't wear them <laughs> what in do you there. do do i sellotape I them to my chest i mean what is this what am i to do <laughs> i i hadn't considered that before i just you know everything gets lost in my bosom <laughs> i probably have a pair of testicles rattling around there right now they're like a black hole with a gravitational pull and inside is the singularity and there's just like a bunch of testicles in there i root around and i'm like what what's this oh a dictionary oh, <laughs> and you're funny. just like pulling out and it's like oh it's one of those clown scarves that never ends that's that's fun <laughs> Of course, if you didn't menstruate, you were in big trouble. And not just because you might be pregnant. <laughs> As I've said, that movie, that, that YouTube video is so old, but I'll never forget it, so stop using it. All of my meme knowledge is from, like, beyond five years ago, so there you go. <laughs> As I've said, you've got to get rid of your excess humors one way or another. And if you didn't lose your menstrual blood via the usual route, it might give off deadly fumes that rise up through your body and suffocate you. Oh no! The vipers! The vipers! A common recommended remedy was to either just start menstruating again, you stubborn fool, <laughs> or to have regular sex, which is why marriage was sometimes considered to be a cure for women who showed signs of unruly wombs. I see. I discussed some of this in my episode on hysteria, the womb more, mm. the methods by which doctors would wrangle a womb back into its rightful place as if it were a rather disgruntled badger that had gone a-wandering. <laughs> Although in that episode, I didn't mention womb exorcisms. <laughs> to be fair, Jack Hartnell in Medieval Bodies uses the term charms, but listen to this 10th century Swiss invocation. To the pain in the womb, oh womb, 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 cylindrical womb, red womb, white womb, fleshy womb, bleeding womb, large womb, nervous womb, floated womb, oh demoniacal one. Wow. In the name of God the Father, stop the womb of thy maid and heal its affliction, for it is moving violently. I conjure thee, O womb, by our Lord Jesus Christ, not to occupy her head, throat, <laughs> neck, chest, 
ears, teeth, eyes, nostrils, shoulder blades, arms, hands, heart, stomach, spleen, kidneys, back, sides, joint, navel, intestines, bladder, thighs, shins, heels, nails, but to lie down quietly in the place which God chose for thee, so that this maid of God be restored to health. <laughs> I love it. I also love the medieval knowledge. They've got like the heart and lungs and stuff. And then the rest <laughs> is probably just spleen. Like we, we've heard of a thing and we know it's spleen and the, the rest of the organs are just probably a spleen. I'm just saying that a world in which my womb can occupy my nostrils. My nails. Is a world in which I do not want to live. I'm clipping my nails and I'm like, shit. <laughs> Oh god, I just performed an involuntary cesarean section. <laughs> well, don't pick your nose. What are you looking for? Babies! <laughs> and of course it was this theory of the unruly wandering womb, the hustera, that gave rise to hysteria, which I talk about in a different episode. But let's say you're not possessed by a demoniacal womb, but instead that you are in the process of coagulating a child. <laughs> this was no easy task, and Hartnell suggests that about one in five women died in childbirth. What the actual living fuck? And if you think that women would usually have around five or six children, well, that's a 120% chance that you're going to die. <laughs> not very good, is it? Oh my god. I mentioned in my episode on surgery that it was only around the end of the 1700s that a woman is reported to have survived a cesarean section. And one reason behind this is that the operation was previously only performed after the death of the mother. Huh? And it wasn't to save the life of the unborn child either, but to try and baptize it before it died. Oh, wow. <laughs> Fuck. <sighs> this is why we have such a dark image of the medieval period. <laughs> Listen to <that. laughs> Of course, even if you and your child survived the birth, there was always the risk that you, a monster, might birth a monster in turn. Clerical writers generously allowed that this wasn't always the woman's fault. I mean, sometimes you give birth to a child with the head of a pig, and it's probably because Jupiter was in the house of Venus or something. But if a woman moved around too much during sex, then the seed might scatter, <laughs> resulting in conjoined twins or children without noses. <laughs> Lie down and think of friends. <laughs> Irregular sexual positions are a big no-no. And I have to admit, I'd love to do an episode on women getting pregnant through the ages because the surrounding superstitions are just fascinating. I love it. Do that. Do that. Definitely do. So my last little part for this episode is that I mentioned earlier that women were considered to be smaller, weaker, less impressive mental faculties than men, all of that. And in real life, women would have often been the victims of men and were certainly most commonly the property of men. <laughs> but you can see like in some of what I've said that there was this anxiety about powerful, monstrous women in these writings and this folklore and that women often appeared as sexually dangerous. I've mentioned before the idea of witches stealing men's penises to keep as pets, <laughs> which I think is probably the most kind of environmentally friendly way to keep pets. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cats have needs and rabbits are fragile, but penises, I mean, you just throw that some pole and, <laughs> and, and they just keep going. In De Secretis Mulierum, it's mentioned that out of vindictiveness and malice, some menstruating women might deliberately lure men into bed to damage them with their toxic menstrual blood. Mm -hmm. And men are super vulnerable. Sometimes, under certain phases of the moon, the already massive male member 
swells with increased humidity and, like a balloon, becomes very vulnerable to sharp objects. So the Secretus de Molierum states, Oh, my companions, you should be aware that although certain women do not know the secret case of what I shall describe, i.e. balloon penises, many women are familiar with the effect, and many evils result from this. For when men have sexual intercourse with these women, it sometimes happens that they, the men, suffer a large wound and a serious infection of the penis because of the iron that has been placed in the vagina. For some women, or harlots, are instructed in this and other ill deeds. <laughs> so, I guess the moral of this episode is men, just be careful, because women stick pins up their wahoos to pop your penis. I do. And it's not because you've already got, like, a sexually, inf- like, you know, sexually transmitted infection and that's why your penis is swollen and painful. It's because of the nails that I put in my <laughs> vagina. The rusty nails. Yes, the nine-inch nails, even. Oh. I love the um the joke that women never want to have sex. I think that's always been, like, a thing. It's And I guess if you could possibly die from having sex because of childbirth, because there isn't any good contraception in any way, then it's like, yeah, I could kind of see why women would want to protect themselves from that possible fate. It was definitely true that women really did fear pregnancy and childbirth, and a lot of women actually went to join nunneries to kind of marry to God instead. Yeah. There always is, like, this cultural anxiety around transitional states, like, you know, moving from childhood through puberty to adulthood, marriage, pregnancy. But pregnancy could literally kill you. Yeah. And I should know, because I know everything about pregnancy and eggs. Well, speaking of... I was going to say balloon penises, some things will be nice sometimes. Speaking of the horrors of childbirth. Uh, Some things will be nice sometimes. I don't have a child. I don't have a balloon penis. I want a balloon penis. (laughs) What, as a pet? I don't know, maybe as a a body part. It is interesting to me. I was thinking about that because Alex is going running and he... And I'm just like, but what would you, what do you do with your bilson just kind of flapping around down there? It must be really distracting and uncomfortable. At the same time, we go running with boobs, and you know, with some of us go running. With <laughs> some boobs. of us go running. <laughs> I envy yeah. you just running sleek and clean through the hills, nothing jiggling. <laughs> just like you know, a couple of bee stings or two aspirin on an ironing board. <laughs> Getting back to some things will be nice sometimes. I am kind of sick because, you know, it's it's quarantine COVID times and I haven't really left my house for six months and I am tired of it. So what I've been doing is kind of decorating in a way that I don't I also don't have any money. So I'm I'm just kind of rearranging things and moving hmm. things around to give it the guise of it being new and exciting. And I cleared away some space and I've decided that I'm going to get more house plants because plants make me happy. And I put, I was on this house plant website because again we can't leave so I have to shop for them online and I put 114 pounds worth of plants in my basket (gasps) and I was like, 
Oh, I should probably take some of them out, eh? <laughs> you had 14 pounds. <laughs> I did. Join our Patreon. We also have a coffee. So, you know, if you want to donate, because everything is miserable and fucking terrible and I haven't left my house forever. So if you want to donate to our coffee so I can get <laughs> some houseplants, that would be amazing. <laughs> Do all Give us all the money so that mommy can buy houseplants. Also, because one of mine is currently dying and i can't i i'm trying to rescue it but i think it's going and it's like no live but i don't <laughs> think it will so now i have you know a, an empty space where a nice living plant used to be and now it's just a withering <laughs> only death lives here <laughs> well on that happy note <laughs> only death lives here bye everyone <laughs> <laughs>